This is the Financial Compass with Matthew Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Matthew provides his clients and prospects with the information that they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Matthew Brunner to help you find your financial direction. Hello and welcome to the Financial Compass. My name is Matthew Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, or Compass. If you'd like more information about what you hear during today's show, give us a call, 800-339-9252, or you can visit us online at compass-ltd.com. While you're at the website, scroll on down to the radio section of the page. You can check out past shows. You can subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or to set up a face-to-face or virtual meeting. And heck, if you've got ideas for future shows, drop us a line and let us know those too. Now, President Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors, probably all the ones you shouldn't be paying attention to. There's better places. We'll talk about that later. But while the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as with most pieces of large legislation, the details are anything but straightforward. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act includes cash incentives for purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy sources, and a potential reduction in health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate prices with drug manufacturers. Now, regardless of whether or not any of those things make sense to reducing inflation, some of them are pretty good ideas. And that's just the tip of the legislative iceberg. So on today's show, we're going to peel the Inflation Reduction Act apart in a way that hopefully provides a deeper understanding of what this massive piece of legislation could mean for you, your wallet, your financial strategy. But before we explore that subject any further, I have to acknowledge, I I said piece of, and it sounded like pizza. And Tony, I know where your mind went when I said that. So I'm going to bring you back. How are you doing today without (laughs) using the word pizza? (laughs) I'm doing great now that you mentioned (laughs) the name that not the word that shall not be named the food that shall not be named so uh, i like how you said we're gonna peel back uh the inflation reduction act uh we're gonna peel it like an onion and yes there will be tears shed yeah but onion is good on that other word too that we're not using it is it's delicious on that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well i'm excited for this one uh because i always enjoy it when we take a big story like this and break it down and I know you have an opinion on this one. Uh, Do folks, I? You think I have an opinion on folks, something, Tony? Yeah, this show's going to be a wild ride, and it's my fault. Uh, I got him worked up on this topic. So Yeah, we were going <laughs> a little heavy before the show, weren't we? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're going to peel this back like an onion, and uh, hopefully you don't cry. Uh, you might, in parts of the show today, <laughs> weep openly, but... Uh, it is what it is. I've been good. Thanks for having me on the show, Matt. And seriously, I mean, I think we need a deeper and better understanding of what's going on. How do you want to get us rolling with this? Okay. Time had an article, what you need to know about the Inflation Reduction Act. It's got some great information, so we can break it down starting from there. Uh, first, let's note 
this certainly wasn't a piece of bipartisan legislation. Right? This, the bill passed the Senate on a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th with Vice President Kamala Harris laughing probably very strangely and casting the deciding vote. Uh, it then squeaked through the House in a 220 to 207 vote on August 12th. Uh, President Biden then signed the legislation into law and probably went to shake somebody's hand who wasn't there. And I mean <laughs> no disrespect to those two people, except in his mind, they were. Probably. I feel I, 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 I hate it because I don't want the president to, you know, fail ever. It's our country. Right. Right. Just, right. I feel bad for the gaffes he has in public and she has in public all the time. So anyway, I made fun <laughs> of them anyway, but somehow I feel bad for it. But let's get back to the point. Uh, a lot of people are I'm sure you recall some news stories several months ago regarding Biden's proposed build back better legislation. That was essentially a much larger proposal that included many of the elements from the Inflation Reduction Act. So after that got chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, it was clear Build Back Better wasn't going to make it through Congress. So they scaled it down, renamed it, repackaged it, marketed it in a different way, and pushed it through the government. Yeah, and it was very partisan. I mean, no Republican voted for it and all the Democrats voted for it. So it was, uh, once again, a split down partisan lines. And um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, and, uh, it's funny. They called it the, I love the ironic names they give bills because it always seems like it either has very little or nothing to do with the title or does the complete opposite. So, uh, <laughs> yes. it yeah, is, oh, yeah. it is, it, it is interesting. Um, but from what I've heard, this legislation has a heavy focus on climate change, uh, not necessarily the inflation. What, what can you tell us about that? About climate change? About what the, the bill says about what the okay. bill says about climate change. Okay, well, um, it's clearly one of the top priorities of the bill. Uh, Three hundred sixty billion dollars wow. in energy and climate change programs over the course of the next decade. Uh, so that includes significant incentives for those looking to purchase electric vehicles. In hand with that, it supplies some tax breaks designed to increase the pace of United States shift to renewable energy. Hopefully. What it's really doing is funding the ways to make renewable energy both renewable and friendly to the planet and more cost effective. Yeah. Because so far, not no energy is the right energy. <laughs> right. We haven't figured it out yet. And that's the problem. So uh, does the bill say how much carbon emissions are going to be cut by this bill? Uh, so the people who support the bill, they say it might reduce carbon emissions by almost 40% by the year 2030. It's uh, about 10% less than Biden was hoping for and build back better. But, uh, you know, goals and reality are two different things. So time will only tell us if that 40% number is accurate. Hopefully it's better. Maybe it's less. No way to know yet. Uh, additionally, uh, legislation supplies $60 billion to cities that are expected to be disproportionately affected by climate change. I don't know if that's the ones that uh, are just going to be hotter or the water will be higher. I don't know that it spells that out properly. Probably uh, all goes uh, to Florida, New Orleans, and California, I would assume. Well, you know, <laughs> all the places, no, no offense, that visually you wouldn't ever think, hey, we should live here. Um, <laughs> but uh, And many more millions will be supplied to Native American communities for what they're calling, and I'm just saying quotes because climate resiliency funding. It's not exactly uh, defined, but it's there. Yeah, I'm sure so, it means something 
specific to someone. Right. And so here's the million dollar question, or I guess in this situation, billion dollar question. How is all this going to get paid for? Imaginary money, Tony. <laughs> is That's always it, isn't it? No. So um, I think part of it will be paid for by whatever ads revenues are generated online by the people arguing about it and people <laughs> clicking on them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> uh, that's probably a big part of it. That would be uh, great if that money did go to covering right? the cost of the bill <laughs> in reality. No, so the, the aim is for the bill's cost to be covered at least in part by a new 15% minimum tax rate. That will apply to corporations with profits of $1 billion or more. Uh, it'll also require companies to pay a 1% tax when they buy back their own stock. And it also greatly enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement. Ah, now there, there's, there's where the rub comes in, I think. Uh, a lot of criticism that money for the IRS tax evasion of enforcement, as they're calling it, mm -hmm. that's drawn some fierce criticism uh, of the bill. Some people argue it could lead to armed IRS agents knocking on doors to conduct audits. Uh, but what's the reality? Well, I mean, some IRS agents are armed. That's a reality. They're agents. Well, they're sure. law, you know, they're yeah. enforcement agents. And sure. imagine some of the people that they have to go after. Yeah, you, Al Capone. You, Al Capone was a big tax evader. Yeah. You're probably yeah. going to want a sidearm. Yeah. Fair enough. People yeah, like, Elon, oh, Elon Musk. No one knows what he's capable of. Probably <laughs> evading taxes. I'm just kidding, but uh, that's why they have to go armed. It's Elon Listen, Musk's fault. I'm, not, I'm sure know, of I, it. They have something like <laughs> 4,600 armed agents, you know, and they're going to hire a ton more agents. So right. it's not going to be a military IRS state, right? Um, but I think you know it's already uh, imposing enough for most people when they think about anything having to do with the IRS. Yeah. Now give that a gun. Right. It, yeah. It, it, for most people, it just enforces that that mentality of, you know, we are compelled by the government by force. You know, you're forced to pay taxes. Right. right so now right. there's a gun behind it. it it's scarier. Oh, they bought all this ammo. They buy that much ammo every year Yeah. because they have agents with guns. Fair enough. If you have a gun, you probably buy ammo. How much ammo do you buy to go hunting? Now multiply that by forty six hundred. Probably around, probably yeah. just about right. So anyway, um, the legislation is going to funnel about $80 billion to the IRS during the next decade. Uh, it's not clear how that money is going to be spent. It's anticipated the IRS will use around $45 billion to improve its tax enforcement. It seems weird to spend that much money to get, I don't know how many billions they'll get, but okay. Um, you know, the it, staffing levels, badly outdated processing systems up to date. You know, that point, hey, maybe we'll finally be, everyone will finally be able to, uh, you know, submit their taxes online. Well, and we'll get the IRS staff. They're probably working on like a lot of government agencies, Windows XP or something. You know what I probably, mean? Probably. Or, you know, some other operating update system none of us know about. <laughs> right. Update no. the technology is what <laughs> they need to yeah. do. Hey, five billions earmarked for that technology. So good. Maybe they can update their systems on um, 25 billion of that 80 billion is slated for enhancing the IRS's overall operations, sure. which more than likely, I think most people would agree is pretty necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's not necessarily going to be used to go after middle-class <laughs> income people. Uh, hopefully it will be used to enforce, you know, people taking advantage of loopholes or illegally, you know, 
uh, yeah, maybe maybe they'll you know find they'll close some of those loopholes everybody complained about Trump taking, and maybe they'll tax Biden's son on some of that art he's selling. Sure, right. Sure. I mean, if it's yeah. even across the board, I hope everyone will be happy about some of the loopholes being yeah. closed and some of their operations. I mean, being you approved. know, some of these guys. I mean, not to name names. I mean, they're writing off cocaine purchases. That's not a deduction. <laughs> There's no. They shouldn't get a deduction. No, that. that should not be considered a business expense. No, no, that should not. So the, it's not the 1970s recording industry. Okay. Now, now let's get to probably you and I, what we were talking about before the show, which is funny if it weren't so sad. The legislation is called the Inflation Reduction Act, which mm. that's attention grabbing because we're in the midst of huge inflation rates not seen in decades. Uh, it seems like, hey, targeting inflation is the right move. Everybody's going to agree with that. But does this legislation actually do anything to uh, cool or slow inflation? Well, let's not put our opinions on this. Let's look at what the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, sure. that's an independent agency. And even though it has the word Congress in it, let's just give it a little, uh, you know, it, it, it supplies the nonpartisan budget and economic information to Congress. And the bill's impact on inflation, according to them, this is in their words, is negligible. Yeah. So, yes, what we open the yeah. show with, if whatever the bill says, it's probably the other thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the bill the bill is, is called inflation reduction, but the, the main thing it does is deal with, uh, you know. In, Electric vehicles, the uh, IRS. Yeah, the environment, Medicare. right? I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, obviously, uh, climate battling climate change is one of its priorities and uh uh updating the irs is another uh so that's important um but yeah negligible um what about um uh but it is supposedly if they can raise money um uh through the bill there are ways that they're going to pay for it right like uh, by taxing uh, corporations well yeah they're talking about that they predict the legislation will reduce the federal deficit by as much as 102 billion dollars during the next 9 years yeah and they say um, that because of the 15% tax the mandatory tax they're going to put on all corporations making over a billion a year but if they can get that money out of Apple, who's already moved some headquarters overseas, things like that, or to Ireland, you know, uh, it, it remains to be seen. But if they if they can reduce the deficit, I did hear that uh, there's the group that's for lowering the deficit, uh, and it's usually a pretty conservative group. They like this bill for that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for the Congressional Budget Office, the in it was around the deficit for in August of 2022, according to them, it's 217 billion this yep. year. Uh, so it'll cut that in half. Hey, yeah. well, maybe, you know, it's if not they can do, collect that 15% tax from corporations, yeah, if they get all that, right? Yeah. Um, in my mind, they say it's going to do that, but you know, we have bills that say it, they're going to do things. And then, you know, implementation and, and enforcement can uh, be a problem, I think, for some of this, don't you? Yeah. And, and, In my well, opinion, hey, listen, that's if my we can, it's $200 billion, the deficit, which seems like a lot of money, unless you think of the $30 trillion we're in debt. Then it's just a drop. Yeah, the, the $30 trillion, the trillions <laughs> were in debt. There you <laughs> the go. One that hurts a little. Yeah. 
think there. about, right? But yeah, um, yeah. So it should be they are going to look at some some taxes, and yes, if they can get that. I, I, let's let's talk about a good piece of this, though. I think is a good piece. I still don't think it's good enough, but it's a great start, right? And that's uh, the it's going to allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers. Finally. Like the only country in the world that doesn't do that. I mean, and why, and why, why, I mean, that's a no brainer. Why wouldn't they be able to negotiate drug prices? Oh, because the drug companies own the government along <laughs> with a few right. other things. I mean, right. I thought that was abundantly clear. Yeah, that is. Abundantly we learned nothing clear. else in the last two years. That because one was big a pharma's, Yeah. Big pharma's lobbyists. That's true. But uh, so, at least and, we're and, making and, some headway. And all the people who invest in them, most of the people, there's a lot of people invested in pharmaceutical companies. They don't want to see those go away either, but uh, sometimes more so than they don't want to see the cost of people's insulin or their grandparents' medications coming down. Right. But, Medicare will be allowed to negotiate drug prices for the first time. It puts a $2,000 yearly cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay out of pocket. Oh, that's good. For medications, uh, levies tax penalties on manufacturers that increase their prices beyond the rate of inflation. Wow. Uh, insulin will be capped at $35 a month and out of pocket expenses for a lot of vaccines. Uh, the CBO does think Medicare may save hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade thanks to its ability to negotiate the price of some prescription drugs as well as potential rebates uh, to encourage drug companies to keep uh, the, the at or below the inflation rate. And yes, um, maybe it's just uh, 10 drugs right now. But, and again, I think that speaks more to the power that Big Pharma has in the country than anything else. But 10's a start, and there's supposed to be more coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's really important. And, and speaking of Medicare, I heard somewhere I read that this new inflation reduction act is connected to last year's American rescue plan that made some Medicare changes. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the new legislation provides a three-year extension to the expanded subsidies and other financial enhancements that were first included in last year's American rescue plan. Uh, and, Again, American Rescue Plan, that's what it was called. Not sure it did it. Looking around, but okay. <laughs> um, you know, it was designed to reduce the expenses of health insurance plans of, available in the Affordable Care Act marketplace. According to AARP, those subsidies have been especially critical for people between the ages of 50 and 64. They sometimes pay up to three times more for health insurance. Uh, if we take a closer look at what the Inflation Reduction Act means for Medicare Part D. All right, so first, for the first time, out-of-pocket expenses for Medicare Part D prescriptions will be capped. For old Americans, older, not old, but older <laughs> Americans, that's <laughs> thank, a really big deal. Yeah. Beginning yeah. in 2025, Part D enrollees won't have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their share of Part D prices. So that's pretty massive. And in 2023, most vaccines will be th free through Medicare, according to the article as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, so we've talked about a lot on the show. Medicare Part D is a huge part of mm -hmm. the financial strategy for many Americans, their health care plan and retirement. So that makes anything that makes Medicare costs more manageable is welcome news. Yeah, and anything that, I mean, listen, insulin, type 1 diabetes is huge. Type 2, another thing, if you acquire it, definitely we can be living healthier lifestyles. But well, sure. sometimes even a healthier lifestyle doesn't negate uh, type two diabetes onset. So let's say, you know, that cap is phenomenal. Uh, listeners should also be aware premiums can't go up more than 6% a year through at least 2029. 
so that's still higher than it should be, but okay, fair enough. At least that's a cap right now. The income ceiling for beneficiaries to qualify for a subsidy to help cover Part D out-of-pocket expenses, that's gone up from 135% of the poverty level to 150% of the federal poverty level. So that's an increase from 18347 for an individual in 22 to uh, 2022 to $20,385 for an individual. Yeah, not much of an increase, but at least some increase there. And you've mentioned the fact that Medicare can now negotiate drug prices. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that uh, a little bit more. Uh, what does that really mean? Okay, so it starts with negotiating prices for 10 high-cost prescription drugs in 2023. Just 10. Those... That's crazy, though. Why Why not all drugs? That's my I, question. Again, I, I, I think <laughs> the answer's clear on this one. Um, we know the big names. Hey, um, you know, well... Uh, let's just let's stick to this. I, I'm sure I'm going to have things to say about it as we, as we go through this part. <laughs> so now, yes, they get to start negotiating prices in 2023. And those negotiated prices will be put in place in 2026. Oh, it's going to take three years to make yeah, a negotiation what? on 10 drugs. How I about could go immediately? to any store right now and negotiate 10 things and be out by dinner. <laughs> yeah, really? That's nuts. So yeah, from there, the How number of drugs. How about they pick up a phone today and make a call? That's yeah. just my, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. The, the number of drugs Medicare is allowed to de- directly negotiate will increase by 2029. 60 drugs will be part of a negotiation process. Now, unfortunately, I do have a couple uh, elderly friends who have pill boxes and they have about 60 drugs in those pill boxes that they take every week. So that might take wow. care of one person's meds. I know I'm being a little facetious there. Sure. But. Uh, only, uh, considering all the drugs that are out there, um, 60 still seems incredibly low to me for yeah. seven years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that I is mean, what that is, is people protecting their profits for that much longer. But what, what were we saying earlier? Listen, as long, you know, the, the, when the King and the queen are in the castle and they're looking outside the castle walls and they see the peasants fighting amongst each other, they go to bed and sleep peacefully at night because if they're not fighting each other, they're coming at those castle walls. That's right? true. So, That's true. They, <laughs> they, they do keep us. <laughs> so as long as yeah. we keep arguing about these little things, they get to keep, Oh, Oh, look what we're doing. You know, don't look at the shiny thing over here. Don't look at this over here. And here's something for you to go argue about. Yeah. <laughs> if we all realize we probably agree on 80% of the stuff yeah. and out of the other 20% of the stuff, we're probably right pretty darn close to 80% of that too. Yeah. Uh, life would be a little bit better and we'd probably be as a whole, a country, a lot happier. Sure. But uh, what if yeah, the, at what, least we'll what, have 60 drugs by 2029 that will be able to begin to negotiate yeah. prices. So what, what happens if the drug manufacturers aren't willing to negotiate in good faith? Okay. Great question. Uh, according to the terms of the law, the, if the drug manufacturer walks away from the negotiating table in the next seven years, um, <laughs> right. the federal government could hit them with a tax of as much as 95% of their sales from the previous year. Wow. So that's a great incentive. And clearly there's a potential hammer devised to provide drug manufacturers with a clear incentive to continue negotiating until a mutually agreeable price is determined with that in the air. Also the, uh, the non CBO, the nonpartisan group again, estimates negotiating provision alone could save Medicare almost $102 billion during the next 10 years. And to me, that's a pretty stunning figure. Yeah. And if we could, if it 
to do that in 10 years. I just don't understand why we can't expedite that a little. So, quicker. and I know that the big pharma and drug companies have argued that, Hey, if, if you, uh, if we sell it for less, uh, or we have to negotiate and uh, allow you to negotiate on prices, um, that could lead to less pharmaceutical innovation. What about that? Well, if it came to something like Vioxx that killed tens of thousands of people, maybe that'll be a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, we, we know this, right? So maybe the slowing down uh, and approving of all these drugs that the companies just take an acceptable loss for, because instead of, oh, we're going to make $80 billion and we'll only have to pay out $20 billion in damages. Yeah. And that happens. That is absolutely known that happens. So maybe there might be a little less innovation. I don't know how many more new drugs we need, except, you know, two or three, perhaps one to cure cancer. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know what else we need besides that, but I'm sure there's some niche things and I'm sure, you know, very rare diseases I'm not aware of. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's suffering, sure. but the amount of suffering that this innovation has caused over the years. But, uh, you know, the CBO looked at that concern and it found that of the 1300 new medications expected to be approved in the next 30 years, uh, 15 wouldn't hit the market because of the new law. 15 I don't know out of 1300. But yeah, 15 out of 13. Yeah, I can, I can accept that ratio, I guess. So, uh, I was reading articles in the days after this legislation was signed recently. Uh, and I was intrigued by the inflation rebate. There's some type of inflation mm. rebate. Yeah. So that, uh, that's a pretty good jump out there in this October. If the price of a part D prescription goes up more than the general inflation rate, which, well, this October is not going to be hard to keep it under that, but the manufacturer must rebate to Medicare, the total of the increase, ah. those rebates will begin January, 2023. And the article okay. explains that drugs that increase in price above inflation are often infusions that occur in a medical facility. Sure. Sure. That's where it gets marked up, but that is, that is good. And I think this has been a great, great topic. Um, I know that there's a lot uh, to this bill and a lot going on here. Uh, we should probably wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to add on this topic before we have to go? I'm going to add that we definitely are going to have to wrap this up because we could do this for days. Yeah. This uh, one, we these could do bills, for days. Well, any, if we're going through a bill that they pass in Congress, you know, the 4,400 pages, we're not going to read all those, but. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's say a couple of things like, um, don't listen to major news outlets when it comes to these bills and what they're going to be good or bad for. Let's start there. Um, there are some changes in these, like to Medicare. Uh, there are some, perhaps, we didn't even touch on the EV benefits or some of the uh, the credits that you'll get for like geothermal and solar and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, if you're looking to do some of those things and talk to your advisor, see what kind of money you have on hand, you know, that you can invest in your home. With some For some people, that's their biggest asset. And also claim some of those credits talk to your advisor about the Medicare changes, what that might mean to your overall financial plan. Uh, if you don't have one, call us, call someone like us, who's a fiduciary, who does things from a planning first perspective, uh, get that going. Uh, you can contact us by calling us at 800-339-9252. You can visit us online at compass-ltd.com. 
And I can't state it enough. Stop fighting with each other. If you want to watch the news, turn off the TV and, and get on the Internet and watch something like uh, Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager. Uh, th- those, at least, you know, they're giving you opinion, but you have both sides in a, in a friendly talk, giving you either side of the debate. You're not going to be existing in a bubble. You'll see the good and the bad side of all these bills from both sides. And I think it's a much healthier place to exist than, uh, just sitting there listening to mainstream media, tell you whatever that particular channel's point of view is. Yeah. Good point. I think that's great advice. And as far as financial advice, uh, how can our listeners get a plan in place to make sure that they have all the bases covered, whether it's Medicare, Social Security, uh, investments, and things like that? A comprehensive financial plan should take all of those things into consideration, including other things like insurance, college planning, uh, legacy planning. What are you, what's your estate going to look like when you're much older? What are you going to have to do? Who, you know, uh, putting you in touch with other professionals to take care of all your needs. We do that for you. We do that from a fiduciary standpoint. The, if you need to see somebody face to face and you live in Arizona, I don't get out to Arizona that much. Find someone there that does it. I do go to a lot of states to visit my clients, but we can do it via phone. We can do it via tech platforms. And we can do it in person. If you live in the Northeast, I'm happy to take care of that for you, too. You can give us a call 800-339-9252, or you can visit us online at compass-ltd.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. I think that's great. And that it's been a great show. Uh, It's really important to understand what's going on out there. And thanks for breaking down the Inflation Reduction Act for us. Listeners, that does it for today's episode of The Financial Compass with our host, Matt Brenner. Thank you for listening to The Financial Compass. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Matthew Brunner at Comprehensive Planning Associates. Call 800-339-9252 or visit their website at compass-ltd.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Insurance products and services, fee-based financial planning, and investment advisory services are offered by Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD. Compass, a registered investment advisor in the state of Connecticut. Securities are offered by Gretchen Brunner and Matthew Brunner through Gradient Securities, LLC, Arden Hills, Minnesota, 866-991-1539. Member FINRA, SIPC. Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass, and Gradient Securities, LLC are not affiliated companies. Gradient Securities, LLC, and Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Please refrain from posting reviews of your experience as this may be considered testimonials and are prohibited by the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. Like should not be considered a positive reflection of the investment advisory services offered by Gradient Securities, LLC, GS, and or their investment advisor representatives.